this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, taking ground number three. Are you ready? So let me just let me give you a little recap before we get into this today. So far in this series, because I do feel like we, we've bounced around in topics a bit. That is purposeful. Uh, but just to give you a recap, so far in the series, we've talked about the role of the church in spiritual warfare. And that really is the overarching theme of this series. Last series, Suit Up, we talked about our personal responsibility, how to hold our ground, right? How to stand firm. This is about taking ground. And it's about the role of the church, how we need to act like the church was the first week. Last week, we talked about the role of prayer in that. So many of you this week told me how your prayer life is already improving, how you've made choices and changes in your life to improve that. So powerful, so good and healthy. I'm so thrilled about it. Personally, in my life, it's, it's been, I told you I was making changes as well last week been so good. So good. I've definitely seen a difference already in my own life. So that's where we're at so far. Today, I've been promising that this series is indeed about evangelism to some degree as well, because I believe that is the main way that we take ground spiritually, is the best spiritual warfare offensively that we have. And so I do want to spend a few weeks talking about that specifically. It's so important, guys. Yesterday was a really tough day for Aaron and I. Uh, We officiated a funeral of a friend, a previous youth student here that we were close to, who committed suicide last week. I'm not done crying about it, to be honest. Yesterday was a really tough day. She was a beautiful 22-year-old no longer with us because of the lie of hopelessness. I don't ever want to do that again. (laughs) I don't want to bury a friend because of hopelessness. I want to see people set free, free from depression and pain, free from anxiety and, and fear, from hopelessness, a lie straight from the enemy. There is hope. There is hope. We have that to share. I ended the service yesterday, very tough service, by saying there is hope and it's our job. If you're a believer in this room today, it is your job to spread that hope. Jesus tasked us with that over and over throughout his ministry. Go into all the world and preach the good news. That's our job. Our number one way that we take ground spiritually from the enemy by sharing the gospel. As a church, we, we can pray together, but we preach together too. Right? We snatch one back from the enemy every time we see a salvation. There is praising and rejoicing in heaven with every single one that comes to know Jesus. First today... We're going to read about how Jesus approached this, how he taught us, how he modeled for us to love people in 
<clears throat> such a countercultural way, by the way. He <clears throat> loved people in a way that was countercultural to his own culture, the Jewish godly culture of the time, and countercultural to the secular culture that he lived in, too. Oh, proving, by the way, that there's not always just two opposing sides. I think a lot of Christians see our culture, the Christian culture, as opposing to the secular culture, and it is to many degrees, but that there's only two ways. We see them as polar opposites, and there's nothing in between. It's not how I see Jesus' ministry at all. He was, he always found a third way, <laughs> the Jesus way, the way to love people well. There is a way that is closer to the heart of the Father, and Jesus always finds it. All right, Luke 15, verse 1, is, is one of the passages I want to share with you today that demonstrates this so well. Luke 15, verse 1, tax collectors. When you read tax collectors in the Bible, that's like, just read scum of the earth. Like, that's what the people that were reading <coughs> this, uh, that were meant to read this, knew what tax collectors meant. <laughs> it was people that had betrayed their own culture in the worst possible way. Scum of the earth is how they would have seen that. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. How dare they? So Jesus told them this story in response to that anger, okay? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. I'm already losing my voice today. Can you guys pray for me <laughs> at the beginning of the sermon? <coughs> Can't lose my voice. Ooh. Jesus loves sinners. He gathers them to himself like little lost sheep. He calls them home. This is the heart of the Father. Before we talk about anything else regarding evangelism, we have to cover this. Because it's, we can say all of the right things. We can say uh, the words of Jesus, but in the wrong spirit. And we do this a lot as Christians. Thank you. We, we, say the wrong, we say the right things, but in the wrong tone. Jesus didn't do that. He talked to people with the heart of the Father. He loved them first. Before we talk about anything else, we have to cover this. This is the heart of everything we do as a church. It should be the heart of everything we do as Christians. Love people. 
regardless of how they treat us or what they do for a living. I'm not actually crying because I'm choked up still. I'm just losing my voice. <coughs> Maybe a little because I'm eight months pregnant. And <laughs> Yesterday was a tough day. It's just so heartbreaking to lose someone who should know, who should have hope. (laughs) Hopelessness is real in our culture. And I think we contribute to that to some degree (coughs) by spreading condemnation instead of love. Jesus loved people so much. Regardless of how they treated him or... Thank you. You guys are so helpful today. (laughs) Or what they do for a living or how sinful they are. If we lose this love, we lose everything about our witness. Everything. And let me just remind you of the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13 as well. I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, which we usually consider to be a pretty big gift, right? (laughs) It's an amazing thing. And if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, do you understand the hugeness of what this verse is saying, all knowledge. And if I had such faith, I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So even religious things, good things, prophecy, knowledge of God giving everything to the poor, even those things are worthless without love. Jesus demonstrated this over and over throughout his ministry. You know, he could have been the Pharisees' leader. He could have been their God. He could have been a political leader. He could have had everyone united under one banner and been the one world government of the first century. He could have. He didn't. He chose not to. Instead, he chose to lay down his life. He chose sacrificial love, the most powerful and valuable force on this earth. He chose love. Let everything you do be done in love. Some of the last instructions Paul had for his church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 16, be on guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. So our witness, our evangelism must come from a place of love like Jesus is. 
It has to. If it doesn't, we're already off base. I'm covering this so much today. Because it is my belief that Christianity often comes from a place of something other than love. We forget. Somewhere along the way, we forget. We want to be right. We want to display our dominance. We want to be vindicated. We want to be above others somehow. We're just impatient with people. We don't understand them. We get angry at their lack of knowledge. How could they still not believe? How can they not see it? Greta showed me a verse this morning where it says they're unable to see it, right? We, we, We get defensive of the word of God sometimes, like, how dare they? I, I take offense to that. How dare they not honor my beliefs? How dare they not honor the one true God? Listen, y'all, God can take care of himself. He's a big boy. He can take care of himself. He didn't ask you to defend him, actually. In fact, he is your defense. He's your defense, not the other way around. I'm pretty sure he can cover his own back. It's not your job to come after people for their lack of knowledge or belief. That's what the Pharisees were doing in Jesus' day. It didn't work out so well for them. It certainly didn't bring anyone to God. It's our job to love people. To love people. So how do we do that? How do we approach sharing our faith with love rather than anything else? <clears throat> I believe this is found in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. (coughs) Always be prepared to give an answer. Give the reason for the hope that you have. How many of you, I would actually love to do this to you guys, especially today as I'm losing my voice. If I randomly pick somebody in this room to come up here on the stage and I said, give us your five-minute testimony, how would you answer that? How many of you would be ready for that? Like literally, hands. Josh did it. There's like five hands. You'd be ready. Would you be ready to do it on the spot? Maybe. (laughs) I would love to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But I would love to. Because we should all be ready with a reason. Now, I know the stage and the lights and the microphone. It's a little intimidating. (coughs) But... We should be ready with a reason. A one-on-one conversation over coffee could lead to you telling your testimony. We should be ready for this. And we should be ready to answer a couple of questions, right? Because your reason, your testimony is the most powerful evangelism tool in your arsenal. Not because it's more powerful than the gospel, but because it is the gospel, from your own life. 
right? It's your experience with the gospel. It's the message of the gospel working a miracle in you. It's your answer, your reason for the hope that you have. So what's your reason? We should all be ready to answer that question. <clears throat> in general, when we ask people for a testimony, say we're making a testimony like the one you saw from Mike most recently, or interviewing somebody about what God has done in their lives, we ask three questions. Who were you before Jesus? What kind of person were you? What were, were your character traits? How did you act before Jesus? What made you decide to give your life to him? So what changed? And how has life changed since Jesus? The answers <clears throat> to those questions are life-changing. They were life-changing to you. <laughs> you lived them, right? <clears throat> They're life-changing to the people hearing them, too. And that is the story you should be ready to share at any moment. Right now, we are actually planning a mission SOS trip for next year. A lot of you have been asking for this, a missions trip to Africa. It's going to be uh, to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and it's in June. So if you want to go, you start praying about it now. Uh, renew those passports a while, because <coughs> we will have info coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but this is one of those things that SOS will train you on if you go on this trip. And we'll make sure that everyone that goes is ready to share their story <clears throat> on every street corner or stage or church at any time throughout the trip. And they will. They'll, they'll call you. Mission SOS can be ruthless about this. They, anybody on that trip, they will call you up and say, okay, you go ahead, go share your testimony. And it's made even more difficult by the fact that you have to do it through an interpreter. <laughs> but you will. You'll, you'll share a little mini testimony about why you believe in Jesus. What changed in your life? What did Jesus save you from? <clears throat> the first time I went on a Mission SOS trip, I think, was... 2007, maybe, we went to a tiny little country in South Africa, Africa called Lesotho. It's a tiny little country. And uh, I remember being so nervous about this. I have grown up in church. I was in ministry at the time, kids pastor, though. Like, give me a room full of kids, and I'll teach them about Jesus all day. But so nervous about having to share my testimony at any random day. And... Uh, course now it's not nearly as nerve-wracking but I remember the process of walking through what is my testimony for a long time I didn't think I had one because I was raised in the church I don't remember a time before Jesus how do I answer that question but I do know what Jesus has brought me out of and even though I've always known him it doesn't mean I didn't have to overcome some things right you all know my testimony is having come through a fear and anxiety and so much social anxiety growing up, Jesus brought me out of that. The point where I do this every week now, right? It's so brought me out of it that I can't even 
I can barely remember that fear of having to share my testimony. But this isn't just for missions. We should always be ready. In any conversation that happens to come to you at work or over coffee with a friend or wherever you find yourself on a random Tuesday afternoon, right? You should be ready with an answer. Because I will tell you, the opportunities for ministry don't come in like... (laughs) In fact, they rarely come on the, the times when you're the most ready. They just don't. You have to be ready in season and out of season, right? Ready always. Not on guard. Not ready for the ridicule or the... I meet a lot of Christians that are like that. Like, we're preparing more for the attack. Like, what if they make fun of me? Who cares? That is not, <laughs> that is not your concern, right? That's not even within your control. Don't prepare for that. Prepare for what you're going to say. Prepare to answer that call. When you're asked, <clears throat> why do you believe in Jesus? Why would you? Even if it's with a tude. You know, why would you believe in Jesus? I got answers for that. I believe in Jesus because of all the things I've seen throughout my life. I have seen miracles and people delivered and set free. I have been set free from so much. I mean, the blessed things in my life. Is it always easy? No. It's always good. God is so good. So good. And you can have that too. With gentleness and respect, this passage says. You guys just keep bringing me things. Ricola tea. It's really hot, but very good. Thank you. We will get through this together. We're all in this (laughs) together this morning. I made it through the funeral better than this, guys. Woo. Listen, you have a hope that non-believers don't have. We have to share it. I often think about this with, with some of the people in my life that don't believe. I look at their lack of faith and wonder how they make it through this world. There are so many times a day that I feel like the default in my head is like, well, God will take care of it. I don't know what to do, but God will take care of it, right? I don't know what we're going to do, but God will take care of us. Or I want to hurt them back in some way or take revenge in some way. But you know what? God will take care of them. That's a default that I go to in my brain. I don't know how people without faith do that. Where's the, the default? And, and I do know because I've experienced the hopelessness, the despair of nonbelievers, the, the need to control everything, the anxiety, the fear. That's how. That's how they get through it. Not well. <laughs> right? But people of faith have a hope. We have a hope that they don't have. We get to share that hope sometimes, and it is the best thing in the world. Some, 
I say this a lot, but sharing your faith, seeing someone you care about come to know Jesus is addicting. It is the best feeling. Even someone you don't know or care, like some random person comes up to me and I lead them to Jesus, I am pumped. It is addicting. I want to do it every day for the rest of my life. And when you've experienced that, you know that feeling. can't wait to do it again. I see people set free. The freedom and the... I've seen this... um, It's just a look on people's faces. Even when they're coming up out of the water sometimes in baptism, it's a freedom, like a brightness in their eyes. Like never before. That look is addicting. I want everybody I know to experience it. That is the heart with which we evangelize. And I'm setting the tone for all of this so heavily today because I think we don't often. We have this like guilt feeling like we should share our faith. I should tell them about Jesus. I should pray more often. I should. I'm getting ahead of myself, though, because this is point number three. It is a gift. It's a gift. Let me demonstrate this. John 4, verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, Give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She asked Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. This one phrase has motivated my own personal evangelism, um, I want to say mantra, but that's not it, my, my philosophy of evangelism if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew the gift God has for you, it is a gift. And I think we inherently know this, but we don't always act like our relationship with Jesus is a gift in front of non-believers in particular. We sometimes act like it's a burden. I should go to church. I should pray more. I should be more patient. I should forgive. Take it or don't, but stop treating God's gift to you as an obligation. This is why I think being lukewarm is so despicable to God. Something Aaron says all the time, like, he always says, I'm so scared of that, like, that verse that says, being lukewarm, God will spit you out of his mouth. What does lukewarm mean? There is no definition, really, to lukewarm, right? Right? That's the scary part of that. 
I think this is why it's, it's despicable to God because we can't take the gift of salvation and then just stick it in the junk drawer and never look at it again. It's like somebody giving you a gift and you're like, yeah, okay, thanks. I'll take it, but I'm never going to use it, do anything with it, and not even looking at it again. That's what we do with gifts we don't really want but don't want to be rude about, right? Accept it. Stick it somewhere in your house. Don't look at it again. It is a gift, a good gift. We get to serve God. We get to tap into the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to should do or should do anything. That's why we say we, even giving to God is a privilege, an honor. It's not we have to give. We get to. Don't get me wrong. We are also mandated to tithe, right? That's a the bare minimum. But we get to is the attitude that we come to it with. Get to give. We get to serve God. Yesterday, driving home from that funeral, Aaron said, man, this job just doesn't get any easier, does it? <laughs> like you think... <laughs> We were experienced in it. Now we've been doing it a while. It should get easier, surely, at some point. I don't, I don't think it's just ministry. I'm not complaining about my job. I love my job more than anything. But not more than anything. More than a lot of things. But I don't think it's just ministry. I think it's just serving Jesus. It's tough sometimes. God is always challenging me. <laughs> just when I think I have something down he challenges me further go a little farther you can do a little more affect more people for me we get to do that we get to serve God I am a walking testimony of what God has and can do in someone's life I'm so glad God has over and over and over again challenged me I would not be here at all today I mean if God hadn't started challenging me as a 13, 14-year-old kid, I don't know where I'd be today. I'm stuck in fear, the hopelessness and despair. <clears throat> in the moment it feels like oh, I should. I should do what God is calling me to. I should step out of my little comfort box, but over time it is such a gift such a gift. We are walking around with the potential to be supernaturally charged with God's spirit at any moment. And we're acting like it's a burden, right? It's like in every superhero movie, the superhero is all, you don't know what a burden it is to be different. I just want to be normal. Right. And the audience is like, dude, shut up. You can fly. Right. <laughs> you can fly. <laughs> we don't want to hear it. <laughs> And so that's what we're talking about here. Being normal is overrated, right? Anxiety is normal. Crushing debt is normal. Gossip and being unhappy and divorce and, and being overwhelmed and parenting, all normal. Who needs normal? What are we trying to be normal for? Are we, we are afraid of sharing our faith because we don't want to seem different or weird. Be weird. Weird is awesome. We are meant to be different as believers. It, it is weird to be free of those things. 
It is weird to fully trust your spouse because you did things the right way when dating and marriage. It's weird to be free of, of gossip, to be free of shame. Those things are weird. It's a gift, beautiful, amazing gift. And it's not just a gift that we should add in along with all the others. It's Christianity isn't meant to be balanced in your life along with everything else. It's a passion. It's meant to be infused with everything else that you do. <clears throat> Take over everything else that you do. <clears throat> and this is the attitude we have to hold when we're sharing the gospel with others. It's not a, a measly little, it's just something in the gut, just something I want to offer. Just, you know, if you're ever, no, it's an amazing thing. You should absolutely take. And I'm not saying shove things down people's throats and be pushy about it, but dude, you ever want to hear about this amazing thing, you come and talk to me. I would love to tell you about it, right? Give me a an inch, and I will, I will tell you all about it, right? Ask me one question, I dare you. I would love to tell you about it because it is a beautiful, amazing, powerful, miraculous gift. Not everything about it is easy. In fact, sometimes it makes life harder, especially short-term, but long-term, it's life and life abundantly. Now, God gave us such a gift and it is the best way to live. We should be eager to tell people. We should know our reasons, our testimony. We should be sharing it with love for others and we should be treating it as a gift. We get to live in freedom without shame, knowing we are loved by our creator just as we are. We have nothing to prove, nothing to earn. We are accepted and forgiven just because Jesus did what he did and we called on his name. What a privilege. What an overwhelming, amazing privilege. I wish everyone would know this privilege and experience his love. And that is our mission here on earth. So who in your life are you praying for right now? Who in your life needs to know Jesus? Now, I know some of you have Immediately you have names popping in your head because I see them on the prayer requests every week and I pray for them often. I know you're praying for people already. <clears throat> we should all have lists like this. <coughs> we should all have names of people we are praying for right now. We should have hearts for those around us to know him and know his love. Who are you praying for right now? If you don't have anyone, say, I hear people a lot say, well, I'm, all my friends are from church. I don't, I don't know anybody, you know, I, maybe a couple people at work. I don't know. Go into the world and make disciples. I mean, Jesus made it pretty clear. You're not meant to be in just a Christianity bubble all the time. And believe me, I know this is a struggle. Literally church is my life. <laughs> Everybody I know is here. Uh, but I, I have to challenge myself sometimes to reach out, to find a mission field. It is your responsibility as a believer. Go into all the world. Be in the world, just not of it. We're of different stuff, but we're out there in it, right? 
We, we talked about prayer last week. We should be praying. Praying for the specific people in our lives that need to know the love of Jesus. <clears throat> Maybe they're even ready to know the love of Jesus. They just need you to tell them. And not shove it down their throats, not force it upon them, not guilt trip them. Love them. Tell them about the gift God has for them with gentleness and respect. Maybe God is calling you to be the one that tells them. But I know he's calling you to be the one to pray for them. But either way, we all have a job to do when we leave here today. What's your reason, first of all? What's your reason? If me hinting at maybe calling you up on stage and asking you what your testimony is made you sweat a little bit, you have some homework to do. Not because of the microphone and the stage. I think that would make everybody sweat a little bit. But because if you don't have an answer, if you're not sure what your testimony is, that's your homework assignment this week. I'm, I'm making homework this week. <laughs> okay, write out your testimony. Answer those questions. The, the three questions I had on the screen, there they are. Who were you before Jesus? What was your life like? Again, for me, scared, fearful, afraid of everything, living in my box of fear, I, miserable is the best word to describe it. What made you decide to give your life to him? <laughs> for me, the, the answer is probably so broad, but this church Growing up in this church, I heard little tidbit after little tidbit of how to break out. Slowly over time, through discipleship, through my parents and the, the pastors around me and this church discipling me. Jesus, through all of you, I broke out. How has life changed since that? Jesus continually challenges me, continually blesses me, uses me, gives me a purpose in this life. Hey, what are your reasons? Know your testimony. By the way, most of us have lots of these stories. It doesn't have to just be general. You know, we've got testimonies about God bringing us through Aaron's health situation and, and testimony after testimony of what this church has done in our lives, what Jesus has done in our lives. What are your reasons? That's your homework assignment this week. Write out your testimony. Be ready to tell them when someone asks about your faith. Maybe some of us haven't been, we have a heart to tell people, but, but we haven't been doing it correctly or well. Meaning we, we get angry and impatient with people. We, we aren't sharing our faith in love. Forgetting that we have to love people first. You know, there is this in, inherent ulterior motive, <laughs> which, 
with Christians, right? Every time we make a new friend, there, there might be this thing in the back of your head saying, but tell them about Jesus. And that's a good thing as long as you remember the way Jesus did it, right? In love. Gentleness and respect. Love them. Love them. That's what we're going to talk about the next few weeks. How to do this well. How to love people genuinely like Jesus did. How to bring them to him. <coughs> Father, thank you and we praise you. Thank you for allowing me to teach the word. Thank you for and though it was difficult today speaking through me, thank you for bringing me through all the fear and anxiety. You are so good. Thank you for setting us free. Teaching us a new and better way, using us, <clears throat> bringing out gifts and talents within us. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for more of it. Lavish gifts and talents upon the people of Freedom Valley Church. Use us in this community, in this world. Let our lights shine for all to see. Let, let us be, let the way that we live our lives be so attractive that people would come to us and ask, why are you so weird? <laughs> Why are you so different? Why don't you struggle with all these things that I struggle with all the time? And, and I see everybody struggling with all the time. Why, why aren't you there? And God, let us be ready to answer. Let us be constant walking testimonies of all that you can do. And let us always remember that it is a gift. With heads bowed and eyes closed today. Maybe you've never actively chosen to receive that gift. <coughs> We've never said yes to Jesus. We call it saying, I'm in around here. I'm into following Jesus. I'm into living my life for him. If that's you today and you want that gift. The gift of Jesus laying down his life for you forgiving you, wiping away the sin and the shame and the pain. Did that for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> Already knowing what you would do. And all we have to do today is say, yes, I'm in. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you sacrificed yourself for me. I accept that forgiveness in my life and I want to live for you. Teach me how to do that. If that's you today and you'd say, that's me, I'm in. I just, I'm going to ask you to just boldly raise up your hand. It is a courageous decision to say, I am in to following Jesus. It's a, it's a life change, but a good life change. He wants to give you freedom today joy and peace that passes all understanding. It is a gift. Say yes. If that's you and you're in this room, would you just raise your hand right where you are? 
raise it up nice and high. If you're watching online, you can text the number on the screen or say, I'm in, in the comments. We'd love to help you with that decision. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I've, I've not been sharing my faith in love. I think I've been guilt tripping some people or sort of shaming them or shoving it down their throats a little much. God's convicted me of that today. I just, I, I want to admit that and change. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you today. <coughs> Thank you. You can put those down. And one more response. If you would say, I'm going to prepare this week. I'm going to write out my testimony going to think about what my responses might be if I'm asked about my faith. And then I'm going to pray for opportunities to share it boldly. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I'm going to prepare this week. Keep those hands raised for just a moment. Father, pray right now boldly for every single person with their hand raised that you would overwhelm them with a compassion and a love for people. We would be able to see people truly as you see them with a love like never before that we'd just feel this overwhelming love for them, that we would cry with those who are crying and laugh with those who laugh. We'd be able to, to meet people where they're at to eat with sinners and tax collectors like you did. God, help us see the need in this world. Help us each and every one of us find our mission field. Help us write out our prayer lists and identify those people in our lives that you have called us to preach the gospel to. God, give us the words. Give us the boldness. Give us the power to take ground as a church. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I made it, Tom. You did. Can we give her some love? She soldiered through. <laughs> Amen. It was testimony night at Teen Challenge, and a man stood up and he told how bad he was. And the knife was this big, and another man got up and he told how bad he was, and the knife was this big. And the next man got up and he was badder yet. All right, I know, Mark, that's bad English. Each one was a little worse. Each one had a bigger story to tell. Front row was a little old lady, 80-some years old. And after all those men are telling how bad they were and what Jesus did, she gets up, comes slowly up, and says, Men, you told about the saving power of Jesus. I want to tell you about the keeping power of Jesus. I've known Jesus since I was four. Y'all have a testimony. We all have a testimony. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's speak this over you. Uh, remember, if you want to share with the, the Halloween parades, please see Chris. Start class 20. Second takeaway, we'd like to hear your testimony. Let's, will you pray this with me? I'm going to stand here to the side so I don't block it. Because this is declaring who we are, but also the middle one. May he equip you with all you need 
that we can be the blessing that we need to be. Let's start. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. All right, would you go this week in the power of the Lord and the love of Jesus Christ? Prayer team, would you please come up? And if you have a prayer need, please come and let somebody pray for you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 